Hi, I'm Gareth Kane. Welcome to the Net Zero Business Podcast. This morning, we're talking to Elisa Gasparini, who's the Director of Sustainability and Social Responsibility for Alcel in Norway. Now, Alcel is a Nordic-wide company, a huge company providing supplies to the building trades, such as electricians and plumbers. It has 7,500 employees and more than 300 stores. The last turnover I could find was 50 billion Swedish kroner, which is roughly 4.6 billion US dollars. So uh, a very big uh, concern indeed. Elisa mm-hmm. has had quite an amazing globe-trotting career so far. But I will start by asking you, Elisa, is how and why did you first become involved in sustainability? Yes, yeah, so thanks, Gareth. Uh, yes, yeah, so I started originally, I was in the international development field, working with, with, with projects internationally. And then I, I ended up taking this sort of... Um, Norwegian business school master's program called Green Growth and it was actually the first time it was offered back in 2014 and we in fact had one of your books as part of our reading list, The Green Executive, which uh, was very, very, very useful and relevant to to this kind of job and during that course I actually realized that this could be a possible career path, like I didn't really think that, oh, is sustainability like a thing you can kind of do and in particular working within sort of the corporate sphere. So I actually decided then and there after that course to actually uh, apply for a job uh, within this. And it's just been uh, such an interesting journey. It's It's been, you know, from, from sustainability being just a sideline, this little department doing reporting on behalf of the company while, you know, it, the company's making money to now becoming an, an integral part of, of business strategy, basically. Yeah. So I was right? originally in the um, packaging industry and uh, seven years, and now I've worked. I've been now on Nelsdale for about two and a half years. So I sort of switched switched industries, but it's it's uh, still relevant uh, things going on there too. And is that the, the the progression you've seen in the job role since you started from sort of ISO fourteen thousand one? level up to you know much more strategic that's what i've seen i've really seen this sort of maturity staircase of okay just compliance and reporting and having having like this glossy report and something nice on your website to actually how is that going to be measured within the business itself so that's something that i found uh has been more and more prominent that you've seen that it's actually increasing the value of the company as well to work with this, not just something to do to do the right thing, uh, so to speak. So I, uh, I think it's just part, and I think every sustainability professional is experiencing that too, to a certain degree. Uh, and right now it just feels like everyone wants a piece of you kind of like, oh, come to my meeting and be here. Like you're really kind of welcome with open arms, which it just wasn't the case like 10 years ago, <laughs> in my experience at least. <laughs> you might have been asked, what are you doing here? Exactly, um, so, yeah. who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've touched on that already, but uh, what are the main drivers on the business to embrace sustainability? You know, where is that pressure coming from? Hmm. 
It is coming from all corners. It's coming from our owners. We're owned by a private equity company. Uh, it's coming from our customers. And it's also coming from our suppliers. We have many thousands of suppliers working with uh, products to do with everything you mentioned, from protective clothing, uh, tools to uh, cables, pipes, municipalities as well. Uh, it's, it's coming from all areas. Uh, and it, what's really interesting, I, in particular in the sort of the construction infrastructure industry, that apart from having, you know, companies setting science-based targets, which we see now, for example, in Norway, that state-owned companies are actually required to set science-based targets. Uh, so you see the push coming from there, but it's really just also just for, from a practical perspective, when you're actually calculating a project, you need to know what the sort of the CO2 figure is at, at project level. So really the whole life cycle information that comes from the product, which you then, you know, see that the main part of the uh, CO2 emissions come from actual the products that you use in, a, in, in such a project. So it sounds like there's quite a, quite a, a requirement on the business for, for data. Oh, yes. Yeah. It is so, and, and I think that the building industry construction in general, I mean, it's been well known, this sort of, oh, but we need more digitalization, we need to have more efficiencies, and even in, let's say, uh, a market that there's maybe more recession within the building industry, maybe less new buildings, but more renovation, for example, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you'd think there'd be sort of less, uh, less focus on it, but it's actually even more focus, um, which I think is, it, it really helps that it's driven by the business demand and it's not just something that's kind of like a compliance thing. I think that also helps to change hearts and minds within the organisation as well. We could win business because of this. Yeah. The other key thing that we have in Norway, Norway has uh, is leading the way, I would say, in, uh, on some of these things. Like, for example, from 1st of January, 30% of, of a public procurement tender has to have climate and environment waiting. Yes. 30%. And that's like a requirement now. Like it's not just, oh, it would be nice to have. Yeah. And the other change that we've had is we've already implemented the Transparency Act, which is basically the pre-version of the CSDD, Due Diligence Directive, where we have to show how we follow up human rights in the yeah. supply chain uh, and working conditions. So we've already had like a dry run now of our first report and, and follow-up of the OECD guidelines for due diligence. So really we, we're sort of, uh, we're finding that we're even within a Nordic context, uh, we, we seem to be quite ahead on these uh, demands that we're seeing. So it's a uh, big yeah. demands. So it's a, there's a whole mix there, if I could pick out, a couple of things. First of all, you, you, the the thirty percent. Obviously, that's a, a win or lose percentage. It's not just a, a sort of edge upwards slightly in the tender process. If you uh, if you're slightly better than one of your opponents, it's it's it, mm. it, you know it's thirty percent is really critical to success in, in tendering them. Mm, absolutely, and I think that now we're sort of waiting for more guidelines because. There are so many ways you can actually measure sustainability at a product level or at a project level, or is it also including circularity, that kind of thing. So I think it will be measured in different ways, but it's definitely will be beyond like, are you ISO 14001 certified? Yes, no, I think everyone can kind of reach that now. And it's, yeah, and then the, the realisation that it's really the products and services you're buying that so is the, the, the biggest CO2. Way beyond ticking boxes. The yeah. other thing then 
that um, you said that interests me was pressure coming from suppliers, because we normally think of supply chain sustainability as sort of going down from the, the purchaser. But I'm, I'm intrigued how that manifests itself in terms of upward pressure from the, the suppliers themselves. Absolutely. I mean, we have some leading, uh, you know, suppliers of manufacture of, you know, tools, for example, or or cables, etc. I mean, they have very high uh, sustainability ambitions, several that have SBTI commitments and targets, for example. So they're wanting to really, you know, showcase their products as well of like, we've got the right documentation, we've got EPD uh, CO2 footprint information in our product level. How will that be shown on your website? You know, so yeah, it's 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 coming from them as well, and uh, it's not just sort of this top down, and and that's where where it's really important to have really sort of a partnership approach yeah. with the suppliers, but also with customers. That it's not just kind of like, hey, do as I say. It's like uh, we have to work work with this together. Yes, and uh, sort of what can you do for us as opposed to, you know, we're going to send out auditors and the policing side of things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, the, you, and you mentioned um, targets uh, in the public sector, but from your, your business point of view, uh, yes. what targets are you, what sort of headline targets are you working to? Absolutely. So, we are committed to science-based targets. We really see it as sort of a gold standard of setting uh particular climate climate based targets because we had I think every company goes through this uh, previously more sort of relative targets based on sort of increased uh, yeah. incre- increased profit and the co2 going down per per dollar earned kind of thing which I think those days are kind of uh, numbered I mean not having an absolute cut in emissions I think that's sort of the the, the big change there and uh, so we're working, we're committed now to science-based targets and we're just finalising now the, the final targets. But what's really important for us is that we actually commit to the 1.5 degree pathway. So, uh, you know, not two degrees, which means a much more drastic cut. And because now we're, I mean, in my previous company, the packaging company, we also committed several years before and it was it was easier to set science-based targets then. You could have like a supplier engagement target and that was check, fine, for scope yeah. three. Now it's like you actually have to have a target for scope three as well. So we're going to have quite an ambitious target for scope, tri- scope three and that is 99% of our emissions. That's the products and services we purchase yeah. and, and the use of sold products to our customers. Yeah. And that really is the sort of penny-dropping moment when you realise that that's the business opportunity as well, being yes. able to show how these products have an impact in a life cycle on the project, being able to give the choice to customers of what, pro- of what kind of materials they can use, for example. Yeah. So that's really our, um, our guiding star is SBTI. And then the other thing that we, um, we use is ECOVARVIS, which is this sort of national, uh, international rating, which is on the four parameters that is, you know, responsible sourcing, compliance, and uh, human rights, and and uh, working conditions and environment, and that we're at the moment we have a platinum on that, so we're really excited. But we're like, hell, can we keep it? Because each year it gets harder and harder to achieve, <laughs> which I think is really, really good. I'm like, yeah. uh, so I think. Personally, I mean, it's really good to have a third-party certification of your sustainability work. It's kind of like everyone's saying they're so great. 
yeah. to me, you really need some. So that's why SBTI and Ecobar, those, those are the sort of the tools that we use. Uh, and there's lots of others out there, other things and other ratings you can use. But we've just decided to sort of focus on those for the moment. Yes. Well, um, I've seen businesses get sign up for too many and then spend yeah. much of their time <laughs> reporting the same data in different formats. Yeah, there's not so getting many. Done. But there's also one specific goal that we have, and this is also in particular for Norway, because uh, Norway has a high sort of electrification rate of our of you know cars, uh, you know, highest in the world. Yeah. So there's a real sort of focus to, to sort of electrify the fleet, not just for cars, but also for trucks and logistics. And, and logistics is one of our biggest parts of our business. We yeah. basically every day send out 50 trucks from our logistics centre all over Norway, um, shipping products to be used on, on projects. So we actually uh, had quite a sort of uh, a goal to actually cut our emissions much earlier than 2030. So we sort of actually set our own sort of goal there where we wanted to, back in 2021, cut our emissions um, in, in 2024 to be not quite emission-free. I can talk a little about, about that, how that's hard to measure, but we wanted to at least cut 70% of our emissions for all our logistics going out to customers. Yeah. So making that commitment and then towards being completely uh, emission-free. Yeah. And here we have some sort of technological issues regarding, uh, you know, we have long distances, we have cold climates, uh, an electric truck at the moment can't go everywhere um, and we have charging, you know, not enough charging stations, things like that, <laughs> so we have to use biogas. Yeah. And um, so we have biogas and we have HVO100, a biodiesel that we use yeah. as well. And the, the interesting thing was that we just went out with quite a bold goal and then we said, well, look, we're definitely going to cut by 70% within like within two years have that done and we're going to try and get as close as we can to 100. And that got a lot of really good um, – we got a lot of support for that because we were kind of bold enough to actually push our transport suppliers to like, what can you do within two years and not by 2030? Yeah. So that was uh, a very um, – that was a way of actually trying to move the dial into more a quicker emission reduction than 2030, which is, seems so far away into the future. Yeah, well, my next question was going to be about the, the challenges you face, but you, you know, you've already mentioned the fact that you know 99% of your footprint is in scope three, so supply chain or the use of your products, mm -hmm. and then the issues with logistics um you know do those because you've already mentioned those are the, do those rate as your biggest challenges or are there do you find other uh serious challenges in in meeting those targets well i think that the the thing that i'm realizing now with target setting and especially sort of co2 target setting that equally important is actually the business development side like how can we create more uh, for example, circular business models with our with our customers that complements that because if we kind of just always talk about it, all oh, the products they're the biggest part of our CO two, it's not really motivating for <laughs> also internally. So that's where we're really seeing that it, it is complemented by the actual the circular business development where we actually have more, for example, take back schemes from customer to and back to 
uh, our supplier. That's something that we're involved in and piloting so that we have actual reuse in the building industry. So that's something that we're seeing is becoming more and more relevant. Uh, so that that would be, and I think that's where you get also this internal incite, uh, excitement internally where, oh, wow, there's new sort of business development things that we can be working on to create value and to increase the value in our services and not just on the selling of products and margin, which is sort of how a traditional retailer, you know, measures itself. It's based on the amount of products sold and margin, you know. And, you know, are you getting a... Uh are you getting a strong response from your, your customers to that circular economy push? Yes, definitely. We, we, we see that there are certain customers that are more mature than others on, on this front, but that's where um, we feel we're quite sort of strategically placed as a sort of a retailer, wholesale retailer or distributor between the customer and the supplier. Then we can kind of connect the two. Uh, so that's something that we're really seeing can be sort of good leverage for us uh, moving forward. Because with all this legislation coming and CSRD and all the reporting, when it comes to sort of documentation and knowing, okay, what's actually happened to my product that I sent, you know, I sold through wholesale? What what ended up? Where did it, which building did it end up in? You know, I, I want it back. Like send it back to me. That's where it's. Um, seeing the business value of that, how yeah. we can actually help that uh, that journey. That's, that's what's sprung to mind is obviously buildings aren't or rarely built for for in the short term. They're built for decades. Um, the, the building I'm sat in is, uh, is about two and a half times older than I am. So, um, you know, that seems like a, it seems like quite a challenge to do a circular economy in, in in that compared to you know food packaging for example where the uh the product is is used very quickly and can be returned back into the loop absolutely no there's much more value actually in the in the product itself and the, when you look at even the the amount of materials from sort of steel and uh, plastic or, or copper I mean, these are, you know, high, uh, highly valued products and we want to sort of retain that value the longest and then you need to increase really the product's life uh, to make that, uh, sort of embed that CO2 in there also and have a long a long life. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so of all those, you've, you've sort of talked about quite a few ventures and things. What would you say was your your biggest achievement or your your favorite case study of of your work at all mm. i think the uh, one of the things is this transport project that we did and i would like to highlight the necessity to work across the company so i mean you know we have a logistics division it's yeah. not just them doing it it is the sales as well like how can we then uh, position this towards the market Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have, you know, sustainability and then there's communication. What can we say? And, and, and uh, so really having this uh, cross-collaboration across functions. Yeah. And that to me is really what, and I get such joy of, of working with this, <laughs> like every day just getting people to talk to each other, setting up meetings with cross-functional people. Yeah. You really can come quite far. It's just and you mentioned it in your book, the you know the green jiu-jitsu principle. 
of, you know, change your uh, messaging depending on who you're talking to. I mean, I use that all the time. Oh, great. <laughs> so, okay, well, if it's finance you want, if it's business cases, this version. If it's the increased reputation, see here, look, we're on this website and we're here. So, um, and, and it just it is so versatile. Like, you can really show uh, so many ways. So, I'm glad somebody's used it. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, definitely. I, I, it is so important, and I think that is the real – I mean, everyone in a sustainability function has different hats on and whatever, and I've worked in, you know, different areas of, you know, reporting, CO2 reporting and sustainability report and, you know, recycling of, of products and things. But now my my job – and, in fact, I've, I've now also – uh, the last year being part of the leadership team in Norway. So they sort of invited me into the leadership team, yeah. which meant that I could actually sit at the decision sort of table and see, okay, well, what's the strategy moving forward? To me, that was sort of the biggest sort of honour to be like invited because then they see also the value of having a strategic, uh, uh, sustainable yeah. perspective on the normal day-to-day and also the strategic path moving forward. Which takes us back to what we were talking about at the very start was that, you know, sustainability used to be in this little silo and the sustainability manager would just get shoved all these problems to solve without, whereas now uh, you're clearly have worked your way into being seen as a, a, a as a solution rather than a problem. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no. It's, yeah, no, but well. I, I still get, I mean, there's still, everyone has a different uh, viewpoint. I mean, you still get some people that are very skeptical. How are we going to make money on this? This sounds expensive. But you know what? For every day that passes, there are less of those kind of descending voices. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of, yeah, dying away because it's, it's, you really start to see the business value in it and, uh, and I even had um, I had one slide that I used internally where uh, I just had some pictures of some of the fora we've been invited to, and there was this conference here, and we've been here, and it's like, how much is this worth in in, in uh, Kroner as we have Krona? Uh, you know, yeah. the, the the thing that I'm really excited about now and thinking about a lot is how can we show that this is the value of sustainability and strategic focus on sustainability in our spreadsheets, like the way we actually measure our sort of economic uh, profit. So that's something that I'm trying to uh, get more and more into. Yeah. Like how can you show it online? How can you make it relevant for the, the CFO and for the finance functions? Um, obviously this will change moving forward. I mean, with CSRD coming in and, you know, sustainability, non-financial reporting will be more equal to financial reporting. But until then, yeah. you're still stuck with the issue that you're, you are actually measuring just how many products you're selling and, and the margins and, you know, like that's the sort of bread and butter. <laughs> so that's something that's really made me uh, interested in sort of the economic side. That's where I'm sort of going more and more into now. Like that's, yeah. yeah. Well, if uh, this, if you were, you know, going to move on to to a new opportunity, and you were doing a handover to to somebody who was coming into your position fresh, mm-hmm. what what would your advice be to them? I think the biggest advice I would give would be to 
be yourself and don't be scared to kind of raise an issue, like to put it up on the table. I've, and I think it's just part of just growing, you know, maturing as well in your career. Like previously I've maybe been more sort of a bit more quiet and diplomatic. And now it's like, if you actually say, hey, but what about this? Have you thought about in five years? Like, even though it might be a little bit unpopular, just don't be scared of just saying it because they actually appreciate a different viewpoint. Yeah. And the other thing, I recently went through some diversity leadership training Mm -hmm. uh, and just it dawned upon me this whole being able to be yourself and bring your full self to work, no matter who you are, what your background is, your education, being able to thrive and blossom in your role. (laughs) It is like amazing what you can do when you have that opportunity. And that's what I feel I have had in this role that I've just been given so much sort of room to, to blossom. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I would say to the, to the next person. That not, <laughs> I'm going anywhere or anything, but I just, and that's how I feel with my team as well. Just well I think that's a, pass on that, you know, be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, a great place to finish. Cause I think, you know, through this interview, you've demonstrated why I was so keen to, for you to take part. One of these interviews is your, your, passion your clarity and your ability to communicate uh what you're doing is is superlative so uh thank you very much for all those insights you're welcome and uh, i look forward to reading your next book that comes out on uh, on sustainability development which changes you know almost from month to month doesn't it it's so exciting such an exciting field yes yes it's never dull So thank you very much. If you find this episode of the podcast interesting, please do me two wee favours. First of all, give it a five-star rating to help others find it as well. And secondly, subscribe via your usual podcast provider so you'll get every episode into the future. Until next time, goodbye.